0: My mum still thinks I can't cook. Uh, when I go to mum's house, I literally am put in a corner. I pick and wash herbs. I slice spring onions, but I still do that wrong. I cannot touch the proteins and don't even come close to the broths. My mum knows I had restaurants. I have the restaurant in the Glen where my mum visits me quite often, uh, but still thinks I can't cook.
1: This is The Crackling. I'm Anthony Huckstep. After years of plying her trade, learning many different cuisines, Jerry Mai embarked on a journey in Melbourne to explore the authentic flavours and combinations of her Vietnamese heritage. And the impact on Melbourne's culinary landscape has been monumental. Jerry, tell us about the decision to go out on your own for the very first time.
0: Um uh, can I in hindsight? Uh, I was crazy. should have never done that. <laughs> um, after a pandemic, absolutely ludicrous. I should not have done that at all. Um, look, it was fantastic. You know, I've been very fortunate to cook a lot of uh, Southeast Asian Asian cuisines. And uh, being Vietnamese, I had uh, an unfair advantage of, of the food and the understanding of the culture as well. And um, we, we forget how cultural food is, Um, You know, uh, in in Vietnam, you eat certain dishes at certain times, um, celebration or during mourning, And I just wanted to share that. I mean, we scratched the absolute surface of Vietnamese food when I opened pho Nom um, in Emporium, which almost feels like two lifetimes ago. Uh, And we absolutely just scratched the surface of of pho, and, and rice paper rolls and some bun and things like that. Um, and, you know, uh, I was so excited to do it at the time. I still am very excited about it. Um, just to introduce, I think, entry-level. I always call it entry-level Vietnamese. Uh, this one time I went to Vietnam and I had this street food. So I'm back in Australia, so I want to try it again. So that was my entry uh, level. And then uh, I think we started kicking it up notch to, to going into Annam and, and uh, trying to redefine what people's perception of Vietnamese food is or should be uh to what is actually eaten and served at home or in vietnam um and by opening the beer hall we've actually um i enjoy a lot more it's the fun window it's the fun you know when you're in vietnam and you go to the pub or you go out for drinks so when vietnamese people meet up and and have food and drinks this is sort of what beer is all about um beer towers heaps of booze um and just nibbly foods and grilling as you, uh, as you eat and also um, hot pots, you know, I, I love hot pot. I love hot pot so much that I had to open this to do hot pot. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, introducing to, I wanted to introduce people to do different levels of Vietnamese food and really test people in what they had, their perception of Vietnamese food would have been.
1: You were born in Saigon, and you came over to Australia. And to take it. Take us back to the food of your um, from your parents and youth, and and what the, where the influences are for you.
0: Um. I. I well, yeah. I was born in Saigon. I've I've been in Australia for pretty much all of my life, but I love travelling to Vietnam, um, eating the street food, and how. Um, The different flavours, you know, cooking in Vietnam is a lot like cooking on charcoals and and smoky sort of smells and you can sort of smell it miles away before you even see the restaurant or even see the barbecue. So that's the kind of food I grew up eating. You know, a a standard barbecue in in Australia is like, you know, some very dark sausages and some very dark lamb chops. (laughs) you know, carbon dated back to, you know, whenever it was. (laughs) Whereas Vietnamese food is more delicate than that, you know, we we treat the fire a lot better um, uh, into cooking the meats and things like that. So for, you know, for me, um, especially being growing up in Queensland, we had a lot of barbecues and things like that. Uh, And actually I, to this day, to most of summer, I cook outside. I actually, I, I use the barbecue and I cook outside. Uh, it brings the flavour in the meat so much better. Um, and, and that's, I think, one thing we're doing a little bit different is uh, to most of Vietnamese restaurants where they just deep fry or pan fry a piece of chicken or meat and call it grilled, whereas we actually have charcoal or we actually cook it over the char grill. Um, and food to me is really important uh, for my family. I mean, my parents worked very hard, were working a lot when they first came to this country. Uh, you know, two jobs... Uh, Day and night, they were tag teaming, seeing each other, I was tag teaming, you know, getting one parent not the other parent and the dinner table, you know, once or twice a week, the dinner table was where we all came together and where conversation was had and where um, a lot of uh, yelling and screaming, Uh, my my wife nowadays calls it (laughs) yelling and screaming and it's like we're just talking babe, it's it's just a conversation, (laughs) we're just saying how much we like each other's company. so uh, that to me that that was food and that was how uh food was not a necessity food was about uh a a get together a gathering uh and seeing both my parents at the same time
1: you mentioned about uh, just touching the surface with vietnamese food in australia what's it been like translating um, and going deeper into vietnamese food and putting it in the context of australians culinary landscape
0: Look, it was a huge challenge, and I think it still is a challenge to this day. Uh, I broke someone's heart when they said they were were looking forward to going to Vietnam and having chicken and cashews. Um, (laughs) And I broke his heart when I told him that that dish does not exist in Vietnam. He he literally was nearly in tears, Um, because that's what he goes to his local Vietnamese restaurant and orders, you know. Uh, Look, it was... It is... E, better now looking at it back at it 10 years 15 20 years later um you know back in when i first started the only time you would have a pho or a bun mi is if you uh knew someone uh that was in springvale uh, or, or Footsquare or richmond that was going to share it with you uh or you were lucky enough to be invited to a vietnamese family home to actually have pho or, or, or bun mee, or even a simple thing like rice paper rolls um, I think with people now travelling a lot more to Vietnam uh, uh, and, and more readily available flights to Vietnam and holidays uh, uh, people are more open minded to trying um, more about Vietnamese food, going beyond that surface and going into uh, you know, eating sea snails and bugs and things like that you know, grilled over charcoal um, whereas in the past I think because it was so foreign um people were very scared and, and then, then when we did Adam, we pushed the envelope even just a little bit more. Um, I felt like we pushed it a little bit more and uh, it, it also took us a while to get people used to the fact that they just can't come in and have a chicken and cashew just because we're on Little Burke Street.
1: You've worked at some pretty amazing restaurants, um, but what, what was the lure to work in the industry in the first place?
0: I think I was doomed for the industry from day one. <laughs> I came from parents who um, ran, uh, you know, left Vietnam after the Vietnam War into Cambodia um, and opened a small shop, at a, a small little restaurant. Uh, they had a small little cafe when they were in a refugee camp in um, in Thailand and they very briefly, vaguely had a, a restaurant in, in Brisbane when I was a child. I think I just grew up with it. Food was so natural to me. Um, being in a restaurant was so natural to me. Um, I remember standing on a crate trying to wash dishes uh, and it turns out I actually wasn't washing the dishes. It turns out I was just chipping them off. Um, and when my mum then had exiled me to the other corner of the restaurant just to sit there. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's always been, uh, it, I guess, in my blood or my family. And then, you know, the, passion, the, the food that my, the passion that my parents had for food needed to be shared Um, and I was just very fortunate enough to um, not become a lawyer and not become a doctor and I became a chef instead.
1: You spent time with uh, Long Grain and Ginger Boy and Seamstress. Tell us about that period of time and uh, what it was like working in those restaurants.
0: Um, Look, I was very fortunate to be able to uh, get a job in those restaurants because, you know, I I sort of worked out, I started cooking in uh, Italian food and I worked at a place called Peroni's in South Yarra and they had a change of chefs which became, then became Lotus Bar, when they started doing uh, more sort of Southeast Asian Thai Vietnamese food and I thought this is perfect, this is exactly what I love. Uh, the flavours were fantastic, the technique was excellent um, and I gravitated to it so um, <clears throat> from then I, had, I worked out uh, where I wanted to go in my career and whom I wanted to work for to make that happen. I think a lot of times in hospitality, we forget to lay a path for our career. We just blindly work from one venue to another and, and, and become overworked, tired and angry about the whole industry. So I planned my path out and, and it seems just, Long Grain was a fantastic experience when Martin Bowitz was there. The attention to detail, the, the palette, the, the flavor profile was exceptional and, and it was uh, leading, um, leading in Thai food at the time, apart from, you know, David Thompson in Sailor Thai in Sydney. He was laying the path for future, uh, uh, modern future Thai restaurants. Um, but, you know, serving very modern Thai food without compromising technique or, or, or flavour. And I was very fortunate to do that. Um, seems just gave us a window into, uh, uh, you know, Chinese food and, and very delicate and braising flavours into that. Uh, and then so when I saw, uh, did a bit of a stint here and Ginger Boy was, uh, taught me so much, not only in um, cooking, uh, in management, and also back-end. A lot of chefs don't get taught back-end stuff like cogs, costings, labour costs, uh, wastage, all that kind of stuff. A lot of time we've just been, um, I feel, pushed into a section and you, you, you live or die in that section where Ginger Boy gave me a, another whole experience and, and and gave me another whole um, set of tools uh, that I could use to do what I'm doing now. I still use some of the systems that I've learnt from there. They've been very exceptional teachers to me and I've been very lucky.
1: You felt the call to go to London, like many chefs do, and uh, worked with David Thompson. What was it like working with him?
0: Um, I've got to be very PC when I say this. He knows this because I say this to him (laughs) as well. He is a uh, stark raving uh, lunatic. (laughs) That's as about PC as I can put it right now. No, he is my mentor. I I have learned so much in the the year and a half that I was with him. Uh, I still talk to him to this day. I still call him for advice or or speak to him. he again uh what i learned from uh long grain that i'm not compromising in product not compromising in flavor not compromising in the style in which it was meant to be cooked or eaten uh you know you're talking about fermented fish guts in a curry we're talking about you know chili that is no human should ever eat uh in any situation um Inside of these curries and I loved it and the flavor was so intense everything I thought I knew about Thai food I had to relearn when I worked with him and that carries that then carried me to going to Vietnamese food why am I compromising why am I doing what my predecessors have done to Vietnamese food is excuse my French or bastardizing it why am I doing that why am I bastardizing it for some Western palate when really what they're asking me to do, what the Western part is asking me to do is giving them the experience in which they experienced when they're in Vietnam or if they were sitting at my family's dinner table. And so with that foundation of, 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 with Thai food, I then translated that to Vietnamese food of, you know, um, how a braise should be eaten or how fish are grilled and how the, the many varieties of sauces and dipping and getting your hands involved with your food. You notice in Vietnamese food, there's a lot of hands involved of wrapping and rolling and folding and, 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 and you know, just, just handling your food and, and the joy of it being shared at the table. So, you know, that, that was the foundation that I came home to. Um, that I wanted to carry on with my food. And, and not compromising, um, if, if, if I don't get the right ingredient, instead of compromising, and go, that will do. Uh, it, it won't do, it doesn't do, you know? Um, and we just take it off the menu.
1: Pork is at the heart of uh, a lot of Vietnamese cuisine and it's so versatile and used throughout in the different regions. Can you tell us a bit about um, how you use pork uh, on your menus?
0: I pork is the meat that keeps on giving once you think it's done giving it gives you some more um i use a lot of pork belly crispy pork belly um i know everybody uses crispy pork belly but we use a lot of crispy pork belly uh we as vietnamese we use a lot of pork belly and pork shoulders so uh braising to one of my 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 go home to my mum uh, for dinner is that And it's pork belly braised in young coconut water uh, and a a simple uh, sugar caramel uh, and you cook the pork belly off with some and you you top it up with uh, coconut water. It creates a sweetness but a slightly richness in the back palate Uh, and then some braised eggs. My mother would like to cook till the eggs are dead and then she cooks them some more and then if they're not grey they're still too raw so we cook them again. Whereas I like to uh, soft-boil my eggs and lightly fry them and add them to the tikai at the end. It just creates uh, a little different depth of richness instead of just eating cardboard. Please don't tell her I said that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, uh, we use pork belly in that. We do the the tikai, which is uh, exceptional. Uh, Pork chop, you know, a very well-known Vietnamese street dish is called gom tam or gom seum. Is essentially uh, broken rice, and you basically marinate a pork chop, uh, a thin slice of pork chop, uh, tenderize a little bit with a meat uh, mallet, and then uh, marinate it with lemongrass and chili and garlic and shallots, fish sauce, sugar, or the you know the trinity of Vietnamese flavouring, um, and that over charcoal. Once that flavour, that that meat hits the charcoal and the fat from the pork chop starts to render out a little bit hits the charcoal the flavor coming back into um, the pork chop is exceptional it is one of the most it makes me drool actually even thinking about it now <laughs> and that's served with uh, rice fried egg and just because there's not enough pork we make a uh, like a pork terrine or pork meatloaf to go with that as well um, so you know it's just pork on pork and then you know, the, the ever-so-famous northern Vietnamese dish of uh, chaga, Hanoi. Oh, no, uh, mung chả, which is uh, vermicelli noodles with grilled um, pork belly, thin slices of pork belly. And they also do little, uh, I call them burger patties, but they're just little uh, mince, minced balls, And, again, over the charcoal. I, I remember being in Hanoi for the very first time in my early 20s, and I was walking down the street in the old quarter, and all I could smell was this this fragrant charcoal, smoky, this really alluring smell. And I just followed my nose, and then uh, to a store of bún chả, which I've never had before. I'm, I'm from South Vietnam. Uh, bún chả does not exist in Southern Vietnam; it only exists in Hanoi or Northern Vietnam. And I was perplexed as to how you eat it. Um, have you had bún chả before? I have so you know the whole sort of bowl soup of mum with the meat in it Mm. and then everything on the side you basically dredge it like dip it through the sauce and eat it yeah whereas in the south uh they call we have bún which is just a bowl and all that stuff is in it already and you just mix it together and you eat it which what we know as bún when you go out to a vietnamese restaurant or a bún or a vietnamese salad that's essentially what you get this bowl with noodles and herbs and salad and your meat and you mix it up and you eat it. I embarrassingly sat there not know what to do, sitting in my own cuisine. <laughs> <laughs> and the Vietnamese people were looking at me like, what is wrong with this person?
1: <laughs> well, it's always good to take uh, cues from the locals, particularly when travelling, um, but it's easy, easy to get it wrong, particularly I've been guilty of that. But <laughs> with, with a cuisine that's uh, so reliant or... Um, really leans on something like pork. Um, Is it it important to get the right type of pork and a connection with farmers to get the product right for you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we only use female pigs. Uh, For those who don't know, female pigs uh, don't smell as strong. I know it sounds really weird, but strong porky sort of flavour. It's very neutral. So uh, when you cook it up, it allows it to take on the flavours of what you're cooking it with, Um, and and you know we go. I've spent a lot of time, um, what a grouping to farmers markets I would call it. Uh, I was following farmers, producers at farmers market around and going, uh, what? How do you do this? What is it? How do you raise it? Uh, How can I get it? Um, and I've been very fortunate to use uh, Western Plain Porks. I've got uh, Bandara Berkshoes, who are fantastic. Um, and the breed is also, you know, for us, is quite important when we're using it on charcoal. It's got a nice amount of fat, keeps the pork really, really nice and moist, um, and the flavour. Uh, you know, we always say chicken tastes like chicken because it's, it's beautiful, free-range, or being looked after chicken. Pork is the same, it has this uh, a wonderful sweetness in the meat if you don't overcook it and, and might turn it into rubber. Um, it is very tender uh, and quite a delicate piece of meat. Um, so I spent a lot of time talking to farmers um, of, of cuts, what's in season. I try to use cuts that are So during winter, you know, all the braising cuts everybody wants to buy. So I'll buy the other cuts that I feel it's uh, the chops and that kind of stuff where no one wants to barbecue. So I end up using uh, the opposite product in that season. And then so in in summer, I'll start using more shoulders and jowls and and, and things like that because everybody wants to have the, you know, the cutlet, the racks, the loins, the pork loins and the barbecue and that kind of stuff. So I use opposite uh, to what normally is sold during the season so that the farmer then is able to sell uh, pretty much all of their meat without having to put too much in freezer or storage or sell it for a lower price.
1: Australia is known for some amazing produce and the influence of Southeast Asia, the many cuisines of it um, has been prolific in the last two decades, what's it been like mm. Um, with the access to ingredients vital to Vietnamese cuisine.
0: Oh, it's been exceptional. I, I remember when we first arrived in, in Brisbane, um, <clears throat> you couldn't find things like betel leaf or lemongrass or, or, you know, banana or having banana blossom very readily, uh, or sugarcane, actually. Um, and then, during to um, being in Brisbane, you know, you could somehow get a... I don't know, somehow my parents found a betel leaf tree plant and we grew it in the backyard and it was just grew crazy and so what they do was uh, restaurants would come and pick what they needed and then just tie some money to the the plant if my parents weren't home they just tie the money to the plant or clip it to the plant Um, (laughs) and that's how they pay for it you know uh, sugarcane lemongrass I remember growing uh, growing up and finally getting lemongrass my mum putting it in the ground and just shot and just grew this huge bush Um, And it's been uh, a crucial part of Vietnamese cooking. And I think this is how, uh, this is why I think Vietnamese food is only getting better. The produce and the products that uh, are more readily available now, going from, you know, lemongrass, beetle leaf, uh, uh, sugar cane, uh, vermicelli noodles, you know, we we can now get dry packets, but if in certain areas, you can actually get fresh vermicelli noodles, fresh bun. um, There's a lot more people here that have now moved to Australia and have techniques in making really good jaka, which is a, a fish mousse, or or nem nemnu, which is a grilled pork mince, so you can go out and readily buy these things. And for me, having a restaurant, um, having all these projects, I get really excited. I get really excited about you know, soft-shell crab being available uh, uh, for a short period of time in Australia. You can get uh, fresh soft-shell crab. Soft shell crabs instead of the frozen stuff that comes in. There was a farmer in Queensland who was doing it. Um, so, those kind of things get me a really bit excited, you know, galangal and things like that. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing we can get, you know, things more sort of Malaysian Thai, like uh, ginger flour uh, as a fresh product. There's a few people growing it in Queensland. I'm hoping, you know, with enough demand, it can be produced, more can be produced for us. Um, compared to just frozen ginger flour. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing white galangal uh, where the Thais use it as a dipping for the relishes and stuff like that. So, you know, the the scenery has changed so much from having just having to buy dry lemongrass, uh, dry leaves or frozen beetle leaves and things like that. And herbs, I mean, how amazing is mint, Vietnamese mint, shiso, Thai basil, all that kind of stuff at the moment. Uh, We're so lucky. We're so lucky now. I remember um, the the first time I went to Vietnam, Rambutan and Lychee's, you know, we see it, we get it. It's very scarce. That was 20 years ago. And most of it came from a tin. That's how I know that fruit as. But buying it by the basket load and just sitting there chomping away at it and go, where is this all my life?
1: You mentioned that you've been trying to change... uh, the perception of Vietnamese cuisine down under and also provide something that's not for the Western palate that's really representative of um, Vietnam. What's what's your family's thoughts of, of your food and also the Vietnamese communities in Australia?
0: My mum still thinks I can't cook. <laughs> uh, I'm not even joking. Uh, when I go to mum's house, I literally am uh, uh, put in a corner. I pick and wash herbs. Um, I slice spring onions, but I still do that wrong. <laughs> uh, I cannot, ha- I cannot touch the proteins, uh, and don't even come close to the broths. Like, I just, you know, and and I, my mum knows I had restaurants. I have the restaurant in the Glen where my mum visits me quite often, uh, but still thinks I can't cook because mum's cooking is better. So, um, you know. We're, we're here at Bi the, the food is a lot more traditional, a lot more sort of uh, what you find if you go to Vietnam, you know, like I mentioned, the pork chop. Uh, we have whole fish prawns, stir fry with chilies and beans and peppercorn and things like that. So um, the Asian community out here love it. I, I cook a, a BBH, what we all know, it's all bumbu hui, and our BBH is, you know, pungent in shrimp paste and in lemongrass and in chili. Um, and the people out here love it because it's, 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 they've eaten it, they, they've grown up with it, and, and they, they really, really like it. Um, my my favourite thing is when young kids bring their parents out here to eat and they think, oh, it's just going to be some little sort of like wish-washy sort of lost um, translation of Vietnamese food. Uh, and they come and they eat and they go and they tell me they loved it and it was fantastic it's just like they've cooked it that to me is more than any uh, review or michelin guide or stars anybody or hats anybody can give me when i get someone's mum's approval in my vietnamese cooking or someone's grandmother actually that's even better
1: <laughs> you mentioned you grew up in queensland but you've become you know one of the most influential on the Melbourne culinary landscape. What do you love about Melbourne's restaurants? Say?
0: I love that there's so much diversity in um, the food in Melbourne. I just came back from Sydney. Yes, I was up Sydney yesterday. Um, I think there's so much more diversity in our food. Uh, we're more accepting. Look at how. Amazing sort of Sichuan or Chinese food has taken off in the last few years. I think ex- that is exceptional, you know. And when when you think about it, five maybe eight years ago, when you talk Sichuan, people are like, nah, nah, no, don't know, don't want to eat it. Um, and now, you know, we all have our favourite little Sichuan restaurants, or we have a little. Um, our favorite noodle house you know uh, f- from from um, China so we're lucky and you go down to the other end of Sydney Road up in Brunswick and so forth and you've got all this beautiful Lebanese um, food up there um, and you know you go out towards Bentley there's some great Greek restaurants out there actually I'm in Fairfield I've got a few good Greek restaurants The the food scene is so diverse and it's so Good, and you've got the city who's got, you know, like, nana thai, which is very, very traditional Thai food. Um, so I, I find that we, we have far better medium-range dining venues than, I think, anywhere else in Australia, and I, I might dare say that.
1: You are, you're taking people below the surface of um, Vietnamese cuisine to explore uh, more in-depth flavours and... Um, but- for people that are experiencing it for the first time, well, how do, how do you expi- explain that and what should they expect?
0: Look, I think Vietnamese food is um, a, a very delicate in its flavours. It's built on uh, the foundation of uh, all Vietnamese food is, is nuoc mam. Uh, and I always start, say, you know, go to a venue that uses good nook mam. It's like going to a venue that uses really bad olive oil or uh, extra virgin olive oil. the the food's going to be heaps different in the pasta and the sauces that they make um so you know um and texture and building of the texture and profile when you have something like a rice paper roll that's so simple it's just a rice paper roll but when you eat it into it you've got the soft fluffy uh noodles you've got the crispy elements of the lettuce or the bean shoots or whatever crunchy element cucumber that they've put in there and then the protein itself uh, or having a bun sale, which is a crispy rice flour uh, uh, pancake, and you wrap it up with lettuce and herbs, so it's building crunchy, um, you know, fragrant, aromatic flavours. So when you, I always say, dive into Vietnamese food with uh, hands first. Uh, because you're going to need them for whatever you're eating. Um, and, and, and really experience it really well with like, good fish sauce. I think some people get turned off by, you know, if you use a squid brand fish sauce to make your nook mumbre base, it's not as good as using a first press uh, like a red boat or yulserm or something like that. Um, and, and be adventurous. Order everything on the table, try everything at least once. There may be five things you like out of the ten things you've ordered, but you've liked five things.
1: Well, that's amazing advice and I feel like that we've only just scratched the surface with you and we need to catch up for another episode at some stage. Jerry, um we've, we've loved having you on The Crackling um, and no doubt we're going to see some more amazing things from you uh, down in Melbourne. Um, please keep in touch and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Bye.
0: Great, thank you so much for having me.
1: This is The Crackling, a Deep in the Weeds production in partnership with Paul Starr. I'm Anthony Huckstep, Stay tuned as we catch up with some of Australia's best chefs and pork producers to discover what makes Australian pork so special.